Welcome, everybody, to the next edition of the Purple Knights podcast. Um, today, I'm joined by Richard Cole, um, host of the Amari Purple Talk podcast. And uh, thank you for being here, Richard. All right. Thank you for having me on, Chris. Um, your podcast is very uh, in-depth, and it's very... It's very unique for the fact that you do it, you do it on your own, but you have a lot of, a lot, you cover a lot of ground and cover a lot of content. So it's very, uh, I would say it's very brave of you to do because starting out, I did the same thing. I was pretty much by myself when I first started the first incarnation of the Purple Nights podcast. Mm-hmm which back in 2010 was known as Paisley Radio. Uh, I started out by myself and then got connected with a couple co-hosts through the years. And okay. uh, so occasionally I will have, I will be joined by co-hosts as well as panelists. But um, yeah, for a lot of the Paisley Radio shows, I did them by myself without guests so I could sort of empathize with uh, how you do Amari Purple Talk. And it's no uh, it's no easy task. You really have to be prepared and on point. So I salute you for that, sir. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I mean, you're one of the inspirations, too. I mean, I've listened to your show quite a few times. Um, also the podcast Jews and Princess Friend and you guys kind of inspired me to jump in and you know go a year long and talk for months about my favorite artists and hopefully <laughs> very, very hopefully cool. I, huh <laughs> very cool yeah thanks uh, yeah, yeah so hopefully season three oh, I'm sorry oh go ahead yeah, I was going to say, um, so season three, which will start around October, um, hopefully I'll do the same thing as you, have some guests on and some interviews and, you know, okay, take, a, very cool. take a step forward. Yes, definitely. <laughs> um, and I've done the past several Purple Nights podcasts. I've done them as Zoom calls, so they're recorded, you know, obviously to video, so I have the videos on my YouTube channel, and then, of course, the audio goes on blogtalkradio.com. They're my gracious podcast hosts. They allow me to host all my episodes, so I host them on there, and they go to Apple Podcasts and iTunes through Blog Talk Radio, so I'm very fortunate to have that partnership in place, but yeah, it's... uh. Very interesting. We as a podcasting community, uh, the Prince fan community, seem to be growing pretty rapidly and uh, progressing and taking steps and just getting better and better. So I'm glad to be a part of it. Shout out to Michael Dean, uh, podcastjuice.net, one of my inspirations as well. And shout out to the guys at the former peach and black podcast we know sadly that that's not going on anymore but they were my other inspiration 
four purple nights. So shout out to them as well. Oh yeah. In Australia. There you go. Yep. And nice. so today we're going to talk about the last album released in Prince's lifetime. It's sort of bittersweet to talk about, but um, it's an album that deserves to be talked about, especially in light of the release of Welcome to America. But we'll get to that as we go along. Of course, we're talking about Hit and Run Phase 2, released initially to the title streaming platform on December 12th. 2015 and the physical CD dropped exactly a week after Prince's passing so we're talking April 28th 2016 for the physical CD and the worldwide release and Richard I don't know if you want to talk about um, you were saying before we started the show that you only recently got a physical copy of the album is that right yes yes yeah because um yeah phase one i bought like the day it came out and phase two um because of stare extra lovable and i also remembered um revelation which they leaked on that release party for um artificial age yep so just on those three songs alone, I knew I wanted it, but kind of at that time, you know, I had just gotten married, got moved into the house that we're in now. So didn't have time to get a physical copy. And then, like I said, kind of as the months went on, then came April 21st. And like I said, it's, you know, I would see it everywhere, you know, Amazon, I would see it in record stores, but I just never really had the strength to pick it up until recently yeah yeah i can definitely i can definitely empathize with that um i got it initially digitally as well because prince in his last year or so was a big proponent of jay-z and a big proponent of title so he got me to sign up for title so i originally yeah, had <laughs> phase one and phase two um thanks to title so and then funny enough where i originally got my first physical copy of this album was at paisley park on january 21st 2016 which um as any fan worth their salt would know is the uh the piano and microphone gala event basically the kickoff for the tour uh, the piano and microphone tour and I got my copy my first physical copy of phase two there it was actually bought for me by a by a fellow fan that um, sat next to my father and I at Paisley Park for the first show of the gala event that we attended and that that first show was was revelatory you know it was mind-blowing because i don't think prince had ever been so um revealing and so emotionally open 
and accessible as he was for that show. So that'll always be a memory of mine, especially associated with this album, since I got my first physical copy as a gift from a fellow fan at Paisley Park. So very special to me. But um, yeah, so we're talking about music that was recorded um, between 2010 and 2015. And Prince uh, slept on a lot of these songs for a minute and was waiting for the perfect home to put them on an album, the perfect sequence. And so it took a lot of years for these songs to finally appear on a, on a proper album. But of course, if you are a member of any of Prince's online sites, uh, specifically thirdeyegirl.com, uh, 2013, Prince 2013, if you were a member of any of those sites, you knew about these songs years in advance of this album. So it was kind of it was kind of old hat a little bit by the time we got these a lot of these tracks on an official album, but it's still very gratifying to know that Prince found an official official place for these tracks because they're all very good and they all flow together really, really well. Mm. Uh, Richard, do you want to add to that? Uh, Yeah, Chris. Um, I know for me, hearing it, you know, back during digital and then just listening to it over the last week or so, um, to me, it felt more like a playlist at first than it did an actual album because of what you said about the songs kind of sitting around since, you know, 2013. I remember buying the download of Screwdriver and buying that. Yep. Um, uh, Extra Lovable. There was another one. I, that one I bought from like Apple Music when it dropped. I guess one of the earlier versions of it. This one's different. Um, but it felt like a playlist. And just listening to it recently, um, with the exception of Extra Lovable and Stare, um, everything else sounds like an album. It does sound like an album to me. And I wish it was something that either whether it was the title of the album itself, like if it had a different title, um, if there was more marketing and promotion behind it. Uh, I think this would have been a very strong album for Prince during that time. Right. Because I know right. he was dealing exclusively exclusively with title right well that's that's something we can talk about and something that you've talked about at length on your podcast too is the uh the promotion or lack thereof for prince's albums especially in the later years um Mm -hmm. you know good promotion was hard to come by for a lot of prince's later albums and it's really a shame because as you said, with 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 better promotion and you know more more uh, visibility, this album could have been you know uh, if not a huge hit, it could have been really special. 
a really special milestone in Prince's career. Um, but so it's a shame it wasn't promoted better. But with that, we can get uh, into the album proper. Uh, the first track, um, Baltimore, a very uh, um, timely track for the time it came out. And still, sadly, timely today with uh, the whole George Floyd tragedy and all that. Um, of course, best known as one of Prince's best later, latter day political songs. And Richard, I don't know if you want to start us out with the commentary on Baltimore. What do you think of the track? Um, that was one, yeah, I bought that on Apple Music um, and probably hadn't heard it until I purchased it. Um, like you said, timely lyrics um, speaks directly to what was going on uh, with Freddie Gray in Baltimore at that time. And I don't know, you know, I think a lot of people, when they think of political songs, uh, you can easily go back to what's going on. You can easily go back to Curtis Mayfield. And, you know, a lot of those songs kind of had more of a, like a punch to it, where Prince, especially with this and with Welcome to America, it's a very peaceful energy. You know, the words are powerful, the lyrics are powerful, uh, but there's a very peaceful energy that allows you to sit back and just embrace the lyrics of it and meditate on the lyrics of it. So I think that was that was clever instead of, you know, where, yeah, public enemies fight the power was effective or NWA was effective. But sometimes you kind of lose the real meaning for the heavy funk that's on it. So with the peaceful vibe of this, um, Welcome to America and a lot of the songs on that album, you get to reflect and really pay attention to the lyrics. Right, right. And it's very, uh, yeah, Prince was very much about, about you know, keeping peace and, and trying to promote, you know, nonviolence. I think of the, the you know, the, uh, the, the connection to, you know, the, the message of someone like Dr. King or in later years, Malcolm X, who advocated for nonviolence. I really, I really get what you're saying, Richard, about the peaceful vibe of it, but it's very, um, it's very powerful lyrically and musically as well. It's got a, a great soar, soaring guitar solo in there. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I think back in the day, one of the reviewers that first heard it at Paisley Park said that the guitar solo made them cry. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'd go that far. There are plenty other more impactful guitar solos in Prince's career than Baltimore, but it's a nice little guitar solo. Mm -hmm. And then certainly impactful. And then you've got the, the horn arrangements from String Genius, I believe, is who he was working with at this time. Uh, horn, horn group out of Minneapolis. Um, but yeah, 
uh, great horns, great guitar solo in there, and musically just a very chill, uh, upbeat, you know, vibe. Uh, very, very good song, and I would say a very good way to open the album. I mean, it gets your attention, and that's what opening tracks really should do on albums is get your attention and, you know, grab you and take you along for the ride. And Baltimore certainly does that. So I would say, yeah, a very strong album opener and a good way to kick things off. Would you agree with that, Richard? Oh, I, I agree. Um, you know, lately we've been exposed to Dwayne Tudhall's book. Uh, the second volume about the parade sign of the time sessions. Yep. And I think we're coming to appreciate his attention to sequencing on an album. You know, and something, you know, even if when I was involved with music, yeah, I'm kind of conscious of it and how that process is important. Um, but just recently reading about that, yeah, you really appreciate the way he would just play songs on an album. Right. And I think in this case, like I said, where at first it sounded like more of a playlist than an album. Now I can appreciate, yeah, that was a great way to lead off the album with that track. It was the most recent and that energy was still going on at that time. So for people that hadn't heard the track already, yeah, that was a great way to, get more people involved with it. Yeah, and then we go to track number two, which is a track that dates to 2012, I believe. It came out as a single in 2012. Uh, Rock and Roll Love Affair. And this is actually the uh, one of the longer versions of the track with a, mm. with a nice extended bridge in the song. Um, and I appreciate having the longer version uh, on the album because with Prince, uh, there are some exceptions, but uh, normally as a rule, the longer versions are superior to the shorter um, single versions. And I would say with Rock and Roll Love Affair, uh, that's certainly the case. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad to have the longer version and uh, again, just a really, a really cool kind of jazzy type vibe mm. to it. Uh, uh, a story about, you know, uh, lovers finding each other. And it's been rumored that this song uh, addresses the potential relationship between Prince and his protege, Andy Allo. But of course, oh. we, we don't want to get too far into rumors and gossip on here because uh, that could turn that could turn ugly oh, if we yeah. read it. But uh, <laughs> I just want to say uh, shout out to Andy. Uh, we love her. Um, she's awesome. Um, yes. And if she did inspire this song, good on her is all I can say. Of course, we got the uh, the lyrical connection to the the song When Stars Collide from her uh, Superconductor album. 
Um, so that's where the speculation comes from, but uh, I'll leave it at that. But yeah, uh, great song. Um, flows well um, behind Baltimore. They both sort of got this jazzy type vibe to them. Um, so they work together. They work good together back to back. And um, I just like the uh, the story of two people finding each other, you know, needing each other for various reasons. And and the, the imagery of, you know, uh, the yellow sun rising on their bodies in bed. Two people in love with nothing but the road ahead. You know, it's it's a very uh, the image is very striking, and it almost plays out like a movie in my head when I listen to it. But Richard, what are your thoughts on rock and roll love affair? Uh, uh, Chris, let's see. Um, that one, I really struggled with it. Um, I caught about it when it dropped. I think that was one. It was on the Third Eye Girl site. Yes. If not, I probably got it from like Apple Music. One of the two. Yep. And I I struggled with it. Like I wanted to. I tried to find things to like about it. Then, um, I remember the video coming out, and still was still struggling with wanting to like this song. Um, I have a better appreciation of it now, like you said, because of the longer version. I do like the longer version of it. And I don't know, yeah, I, it it is a proper flow coming right off of Baltimore. But yeah, I, I think I enjoyed this version of it better than the earlier single version for it. And like I said, the lyrics, um, very poetic, very romantic lyrics. But I don't know, I didn't know the story about that being about Andy Allo. So that was an eye opener too so i'm gonna give that track another listen and you know on my own time kind of find out what the what the real story behind it was find out what's up yeah mm-hmm. yeah find yep. out what's up <laughs> yeah yes but yeah great track great uh second track flowing out of baltimore and then we and then we've got uh let's see what have we got let me look at the track list here We've got Too Young to Dare, which kind of, uh, it kind of breaks the the typical Prince pattern in terms of uh, having the third track. Usually the third track is a ballad uh, on a Prince record, but this is an upbeat track. Uh, Again, an older track. I'm not sure, I'm not exactly sure what year this originates from my I want to say 2013, but it might even be prior to that. Uh, Richard, what are your thoughts on Too Young to Dare? That, to me, now sounds like it belongs on Welcome to America. You know, it has that vibe. Um, I don't think the same musicians are on it, but the feel of that song, it feels like it belongs on that. Or, you know, maybe a deluxe version of 2010. I think probably a better fit for that than Welcome to America. Yep. yep. But I think yeah, that, that was the thing with um, Playlist. For, you know, the Playlist vibe of it. To me, at first, the songs could have gone anywhere. You know, like, 
Too Young to Dare could have gone on 2010. Baltimore could have easily fit on to Welcome to America. But in the context of this album, yeah, it's, diff it's a different vibe than what we're used to with Prince albums. Um, but I don't know. I don't think it messes with the sequencing a little bit. Again, it has that. It's not a heavy funk number, but it's a great mid-tempo number that works, I think, with the flow of the album. Yep, yep. I don't know. I mean, I could be wrong. And again, there's speculation like, who could this be about? You know, obviously it's about a younger younger female, but, uh, you know, I don't want to get too heavy into it, but, yeah, <laughs> you know, like the lyrics. Maybe. Like the lyrics say, she's old enough to do you, but too young to dare. So, uh, you know, make of that what you will. But, um, yeah, yeah uh, nice little funk number. Uh, I really like it. I like the the horns on the track, which, Richard, like you were saying about maybe about Welcome to America, you know, the horns and the upbeat version, the upbeat tempo of it. Um, is kind of like um, a throwback to to seventies soul, which is mm. you know pretty much what Welcome to America is all about. You know, like you said, with the Curtis Mayfield, uh, Marvin Gaye type vibe to that record. But yeah, um, good song, and I remember um, back. It might have been several years before, well, I don't know, because Prince only started interacting with fans uh, the last couple of years, so it might have been later than what I'm thinking. But on Twitter, I remember uh, tweeting Prince around the time that Hit and One Phase One was set to come out. I remember tweeting him about specifically about Too Young to Dare because it was one of those tracks that was rumored to exist, but very few people had heard it. I think it was played at a party at Paisley Park or either Paisley or Dakota Jazz Club. And okay. people, had, a few people had heard it there and talked about it uh, on the fan communities. Uh, Prince.org, I think, is where they talked about it. But... Um, yeah, so I knew of the song in advance of it coming out, and it was one that I really wanted to hear based on the title alone. So I remember tweeting Prince about it, asking him when it was going to come out or if he was going to put it out uh -huh. on the Third Eye Girl site. Um, and that was, that was one of the tweets that he ignored me on, but he actually replied to several of my other tweets uh, that year, which is very, very, very cool, but mm. very good memories to have. But yeah, yeah, Too Young to Dare, it's a good, like you say, Richard, a good mid-tempo funk number. And uh, it's really a good way to, now that I think about it, in sequence on the album, it's a good way to you know, keep the energy up, keep the energy going. Um, so I appreciate it in sequence um, the way it is. 
and then next we have next we have the slow jam so he kind of uh reversed the pattern a little bit the third track was more up tempo and the fourth track is more of a chill track it's not it's not a ballad but it's it's more of a chill track again with a jazzy vibe so i really like this and it's called look at me look at you and uh, i don't know when i hear the when i hear this song i just get lost in the vibe of it you know it's very very chill and very very relaxing and again very romantic um sort of makes me makes me think of those you know the again it's not a ballad but it makes me think of those classic prince ballads where he's talking to the you know he's talking to the woman and and basically telling her the effect that he's he's having on him or she's having on him and uh you know so it makes me think of that but i really like the song um the 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 flute on the song is really cool again it goes back to you know like a seven 1970s r&b vibe for me um i'm not really experienced in in that era of music so richard can speak to it better than i can <laughs> but um yeah. yeah but i really really love the the chill vibe and and uh prince's you know vocals and and how he sort of plays with his voice and goes into falsetto and into his head voice and back and forth. It's really, really cool. Um, and again, one of those songs where, as I listen to the lyrics, it sort of plays out like a movie in my head. So it's a very visual, um, very visual, you know, storytelling lyrics in that way for me. Uh, Richard, what are your thoughts on Look at Me, Look at You? Uh, Chris, I love this song. Um, again, yeah, the 70s vibe. And I think what's great about Prince during this era, even though we talked about the lack of promotion and everything, the plus side of it is that, yeah, it takes you back to a time where not too many people did videos they weren't called videos in the 70s they were more like promo films or something and very few artists did it and back then all you had was the vinyl and you had radio and look at me look at you it yeah it takes me back to i want to say like more so 75 76 yeah and you know am fm radio um uh, I can't really think of an artist to compare it to, but that's sort of, yeah, like adult contemporary FM vibe of, say, I don't know, maybe Fleetwood Mac or Steely Dan, yeah, um, some Doobie Brothers. Yeah, I mean, it's just, again, just that peaceful vibe. It doesn't overwhelm you. And the flutes, yeah, very 70s. Lots of flutes in the 70s, especially early 70s. And yeah, I just love the, I guess we'll get into like the engineering of the album and stuff later. But this is one of the prime examples of just, to me, how 
well engineered um, the tracks on this album are because um, I was kind of critical for a lot of Prince releases, kind of like late 90s, early 2000s. Um, because not because the songs weren't great, but some of the production was sometimes too clean or it just kind of like it lacked a certain warmth that could have made it better. Yep. Um, but when you got to, you know, this phase two, phase one, artificial age, um, maybe 2010, probably. Yeah. To me, I think he took a closer look and started surrounding himself with engineers to kind of up the game on the final product uh, with a lot of these tracks on it. But yeah, I definitely love Look at Me, Look at You. Right. I mean, I mean, talking about, you know, back in the day, you know, the radio, uh, FM radio, um, I'm a, I'm a relative young pup as far as my placement in the old school Prince fandom because I, I was actually born in 1980. So I'm, I'm a dirty mind baby, but uh, yeah, but I, in a lot of ways, I remember, I remember the early eighties music and, you know, whole vibe better than I do my teenage years in the mid nineties. So, Mm -hmm. um, and I really, I really miss the way radio was and just how how relevant it was to the music industry as a whole. And I, I just wish the music industry could go back to being the way it was, but that's just me being a being an old grumpy guy, but I guess, you know, I'm forty one, so it's not that old, but I I feel like an old soul in a lot of respects because I I really appreciate, you know, back in the day, like you say, FM radio and adult contemporary and all that stuff and and vinyl. I know vinyl's been making a comeback for the past several years, which I'm I'm grateful to see because mm-hmm. I can remember, you know, being very, very little in the early and mid eighties and listening to records all the time. You know, when I was in the single digits. So, um, yeah, but I I miss those days. I have a lot of nostalgia for those days. And a song like this one definitely uh, brings you back to that time. And as I was hearing you speaking, Richard, I was reminded of the lyric from Musicology where Prince says, don't you miss the feeling music gave you back in the day? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's exactly what we're we're talking about here with this track. But yeah, the, the great, great, uh, you know, four opening tracks thus far, and the, the album really, really flows well. Um, so, and then we have we have the funk jam, the obligatory <laughs> funk jam that's got to be on every Prince album. And in this album, it's Stare. So, yeah, I just want to say when when Prince dropped Stare originally, I believe he dropped it on YouTube 
um, at two in the morning or three in the morning or something like oh, that. Wow. <laughs> and uh, that was back in the day when my my sleep schedule was totally totally turned around and turned upside down. So I'm a I'm a night owl usually. So and especially back then, my sleep schedule was way out of whack. So I was I was actually awake, you know, when when this dropped at two or three in the morning. And I remember being so excited because um, one of the visuals on the on the on the video for the track was uh, a brief shot of the image for free yourself and immediately i remember that started speculation that the new album from prince or the next album from prince was going to be titled free yourself and i just remembered the video saying something to the effect of new funk from prince coming and stare was was you know part of that whole vibe so we were thinking that an album wow. titled Free Yourself was going to come and Stare was going to be included on that. Of course, it ended up being Hit and Run Phase 1, which was a very different vibe um, to you know, tracks like Stare and stuff like that. But yeah, I love this track. Um, of course, <laughs> you know, Prince in typical Prince fashion, you know, he always talks about the only competition. My only competition was me in the past. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we've got the throwback to uh, Kiss and we've got throwback, I believe, to Sexy Dancer. Is that is this the song I'm thinking of? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it has that. Yes, it has that feel to it. So we've we've got the we've got the two throwbacks to um, you know Kiss and Sexy Dancer and so he's pretty much uh, you know calling back to himself, which is you know a total a total icon legend move. So mm -hmm. that's what you do when you've got too many hits. But uh, yeah, I love this song. Super super funky. The bass is. Unreal oh, yeah, on this yeah. song. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, one of the highlights of the album for me. And uh, Richard, what are your what are your thoughts on Stare? Oh yeah, this um, Chris. This was one of the tracks that motivated me to at least, if nothing else, get it on uh, digital right off the bat. Because um, I think I heard the yeah it was the title leak for it um and i remember there was a guy I used to work with young guy he was a guitar player young guy but he was definitely into prince and he was frustrated that the only way you could hear that track was on title big time and you know so when phase two was getting ready to drop i was like yeah i i have to get this album just for, if nothing else for that song and then when i found out what else was going to be on it you know that was just more icing on the cake with that but for stare the track funky love the bass line i think he was celebrating the fact that he got his masters back you know with the references to 
Kiss, kind of the sexy dancer vibe to it. Um, especially that last line before it just goes into that real funky jam that fades kind of in and out at the end. Yep. Uh, when he talks about walking into the past. Right. I don't know. I think he might have had a plan to do something very interesting with not only his original masters, but maybe something along the lines of the vault. Those like extra lovable, which we'll probably get into later. Um, you know, that was totally, you know, remixed and overdubbed. And I think I think he might have had a master plan to do something interesting with that. So right, I think scared was sort of that first part. Right. Um in the whole you know, the whole lead up to the album and his his uh you know, his banner that he had on his Twitter account and it were it was various artwork from Martin Hammond, who is a British artist that ended up doing the cover artwork for mm-hmm. Phase 1 and Phase 2. And um, if you look at his his archive tweets now, it's at PRN Legacy on Twitter. You'll see oh, on the Twitter yeah. banner there's, there's artwork and there's the first two the, the artwork for the first two phase albums are there, but there's also, um, I believe, two or three more, um, two or three more princes, you know, represented in the artwork. And the speculation, oh, at the, the speculation at the time was there were going to be multiple phase albums, hit and run phase three, four, five, three, yeah. um, coming up based on the speculation of the artwork. And I believe um, going off what Richard was just saying, um, Prince going into the vault and sort of reworking or remixing or updating some of the vault tracks. Um, I know like a song like Electric Intercourse was rumored to to be uh, considered for a a reworking or an update um, and be rumored to be on one of the, the upcoming phase albums. Of course, they never materialized beyond phase two, but yeah, it would have been interesting to, um, to see whether Prince would have sort of leaned on the, the vault and what was in there to, um, you know, to make the phase albums a uh, ongoing series. And, you know, we could have had, you know, hit and run phase three, four, five, you know, down the road. Who knows what could have happened? But, yeah, that would have been very, very interesting mm-hmm. because I know in 2014, uh, Prince, especially live, you know, on Jimmy Kimmel was playing, um, you know, the dance electric. So it would have been interesting. Yeah, if, I remember. Yeah, I remember that one. Yep say hit and run phase three would have had a updated version of the dance electric or electric intercourse. Um, yeah, that would have been very, very interesting to see, but yeah. Um, stare, what a, what a great, great track. And, um, you know, as I'm, as I'm thinking of this album sequence, I'm like, wow, this is really, really sequenced really well. And of course, you know, in that famous speech, that 
that Prince gave, I believe it was at the American Music Awards when he came out in that orange suit and uh, he, he said, like books and black mm -hmm. lives, albums still matter. So yeah. yeah, you can definitely see in the sequencing, Prince was definitely 100% focused on making making an album an entire album experience um with these tracks and that's why that's why it took so many years to um compile this but yeah um to go back to your earlier comment richard you know um even phase one for me you know seemed hit and run phase one seems more like a like a like a track list than a proper album. I mean, it seems like a, a companion piece or a sort of extension of artificial age. And I remember when phase one came out, I actually combined the two, the two albums and made it into a double album and resequenced everything so that it flowed differently. Um, and just sort of made it into its own double album. So for me, phase one is sort of an extension of artificial age. Um, but phase two, yeah, um, superficially, I do agree. It feels like a, a track list in many, in many different respects because of the, you know, the, the age of the songs and just, you know, being exposed to them years previously. But I gotta say as an album, this this flows really really well, and um, yeah, uh, great stuff. And then we have the next track is a 2011 reworking of probably my favorite bootleg, my favorite unreleased track um, by Prince that I know of. I should say um, because there's probably many many tracks that i have no idea that even exist but that i know of um as unreleased tracks uh extra lovable the 1983 version is mm -hmm. at the top of the list for me and it's a shame that it probably won't come out because in this era with you know the concerns with the me too movement and all that um you know, talking talking about rape, even if it is tongue in cheek, isn't very appropriate. It wouldn't yeah. be received very well. Um, so I doubt the '83 version of Extra Lovable is going to come out anytime soon, as much as I would love it to. But um, yeah, this is a 2011 updated version, and again, it's very chill and. Um, well, it's not, it's, it's mid tempo, but compared to the 83 version, it's, it's much more, uh, relaxed in its vibe, I would say. Um, but it's still, it's still, you know, mid tempo and it's, it's danceable. It's really funky in places, especially in the end. Um, yeah. And I like this reworked version a lot. You know, there were several, versions the first version that came out in 2011 featured a rap in the middle by andy allo and i know um you know that was very 
divisive to the fan community. You know, people either loved it or they hated it. And I'm yeah. a huge Andy Ello fan, so I I appreciated the rap quite a bit. But um, I'm kind of glad that the the version that was released on this album is actually the reloaded version, which is to say the version that was updated with with horns. And it's just a, a great song all the way around. Significantly changed lyrically from the 1983 version, um, but still uh, one of the highlights of the album for me and uh, a track that I go back to quite a bit. Uh, Richard, what are your thoughts on uh, the uh, Phase 2 version of Extra Lovable? Uh, Chris, this one, yeah, I've had the original, I guess, reloaded version from Third Eye Girl. Yep. but then lost that file, that MP3 file or whatever it was. So I was very happy to have it on this album, for sure. Um, I think it's cleaner than the original 1983 version. And I mean, not just lyrically, but as far as the production, you know, because right. it's um, the drums are changed. I don't think you really have the Lynn as prominent in the new version. You know, you kind of have, I guess, maybe live drums or a different drum machine on top of it. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it's kind of sad we probably won't see the original version of it unless they find a way to do a clever edit of it and kind of mm -hmm. take that part out of it and, you know, put that on a, you know, 40th, hopefully a 40th anniversary 1999 re-release special to Special edition. <laughs> You're that right. estate. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> right, right. But, um, yeah, but I was happy to have the reloaded version because I did like that better than the Andy Allo rap version. Um, I don't know. I was on the fence about it. It's like, yeah, I, I get it. She does a good job on it. But it's like, yeah, you know, you probably could have gotten Nicki Minaj to do the rap instead, or maybe she was unavailable and settled for, I don't know. But yeah, I was always on the fence about that version. You know, sometimes I liked it. Sometimes I'm like, uh, but the reloaded version, that's my go-to version with this one. So yeah, I definitely, it's one of my favorites on the track and one of my reasons for buying the album. Definitely. Definitely. And the reloaded version is great. Of course, the uh, the video clip for the reloaded version uh, leaked in recent years, and I've oh, seen the video clip. Yeah. Have you seen the video clip too, Richard? Uh, not recently. I remember seeing. I forget how long ago now, but yeah, it's been a couple of years or so. It's uh, that I've seen. It, to me, it's sort of anticlimactic because we only see Prince in silhouette in the whole video, so we never actually see his face, so it's kind of a letdown in that respect, but it's cool to have a video clip of one of the best songs on the album, so definitely, oh, yeah. definitely one of the best tracks on the album. Um, and next we have Groovy Potential, which is 
which is one of those tracks that was released on the Third Eye Girl website, Third Eye Tunes. And um, when it was released on there, this is one of the tracks that sort of uh, slapped me upside the head. And I was really, really taken with it um, from, from the word go. So I love this song a whole lot. Uh, Richard, what do you want to say about Groovy Potential? Yeah, that's one that I would put on. I've got like a lot of CD sort of, you know, playlists, CDs that I've put together over the years. And that track, when it comes to doing a compilation of his later material, that track always finds its way on one of those CDs. Yep. With that. Um, Yeah, to me, it's a... It's almost a throwback to his classic period, but I think the choice of instruments and the way it's produced uh, gives it more of a freshness. So it doesn't become a cliche print sound. Um, it, you know, the song breathes a lot better to me with that. And I guess that's probably why it makes every playlist because I'll have something with some heavy funk and then that would kind of help make the transition to some of the other ballads that would be on one of those compilations and another great choice for hit and run phase two also yes so it's yeah because that's another one that i bought on the third eye girl site yep too and it was the thing having all those singles and trying to have enough of them to make it like a full cd at the time so to include it on an official album to me was a lot better and Again, people that might have missed out on that track since the Third Eye Girl site kind of went away after a while gives the fans an opportunity to have their own version of it. Yeah. I mean, for me, this song, you know, I hate to repeat myself, but again, it's a highlight of the album for me. I mean, musically, you've got, you know, it's a really breezy, upbeat sort of vibe. And, you know, it's kind of a throwback to the the 70s in multiple ways because um, I can't remember in any other song Prince ever using the word groovy in a song before. So it kind of it kind of puts me in that yeah. mindset, you know, 60s, 70s era, you know. Um, and you've got the horns on there, which the horns are fantastic on this song they take the song yeah up to a whole nother level and um his vocals are just amazing you know he goes into those ad libs in falsetto mm-hmm. and they're just absolutely great absolutely wonderful stuff uh the finger snaps you know gives a special uh ambiance to the song special vibe and then you've got that little funky breakdown uh, in the outro of the song that oh, yeah. Yeah. I know back when it first dropped, people were like, that part needs to be extended by several minutes because it's just such a, you know, a nice little but, funky breakdown. But yeah. Um, yeah, because it, it fades out, right? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, you know, there this might be a longer version to that. Yeah, I think. Yeah, maybe we'll yeah, see that. I hope so. 
Yeah. And, uh, yeah, just great, great song. And I know a lot of people, a lot of people really connected with it that I was talking to back in the day, back when it dropped, people were, were losing their minds about it. So, mm. yeah, it's a, it's a very, very solid song and very uh, perfect fit for this Phase 2 album, which has a lot of, you know, jazz and soul elements um, to it. Um, great, great track. Yeah. And then we have um, When She Comes, which is the first, uh, one of the first direct connections we have to the, to the Welcome to America album. And in retrospect, looking back, we know that this is an updated version. Um, of course, the earlier version now released on Welcome to America, but this is an updated version. Um, significantly changed from the Welcome to America version. Uh, different lyrics, different instrumentation, most notably mm -hmm. the addition of a of a uh, what do I want to say? An accordion. That's what I was trying to get at. Yeah. <laughs> the addition of an accordion. And uh, I would say you know, of the two, of the two Welcome to America tracks that got reworked and put on Phase Two, I would say that this one, I I like this version more than the Welcome to America version. Um, I don't know; it just sounds. I, I know a lot of people. A lot of people have lost their minds about the Welcome to America version, and you know, say that it's it's finally the full return of the you know the dirty prince the risque prince on the welcome to america version but mm -hmm. i don't know i i just i don't know why you know specifically i prefer this version um but i do i don't know i don't know if it's because it's less explicit than the welcome to america version or you know what the what my reasoning is, but I just um, generally generally prefer this version uh, to the Welcome to America version. But and the the other the other track, the other Welcome to America track, I feel the opposite about that we're going to get to further on. I love the Welcome to America version and the 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 hit and run Phase Two version is more of a reprise but we'll get there mm -hmm. but yeah when she comes um and richard i don't know if you saw my uh welcome to america review on my youtube channel but we uh unintentionally uh skipped over when she comes going through the track list so we ended up circling back and addressing that track at the end of the podcast mm -hmm. and uh I sort of made a joke about delayed gratification uh, <laughs> about that song and it was, but it was funny, but we got to it, but yeah, when she comes, um, yeah, kind of a, you know, it's kind of a, a slower track, you know, kind of a, a you know, just a way to slow down the album a little bit and mm -hmm. chill out the vibe just a little bit before ramping it back up but yeah um typical you know 
Prince ballad, a uh, great falsetto. Um, you know, very, you know, the tenderness and emotion in his voice is very uh, typical Prince. And, and uh, I don't know how somebody could not like this song, either version of it. Um, they're both great. And uh, Richard, what are your thoughts on When She Comes? Well, listen, this one, you know, I'm, on my review of it, I think I might have unfairly preferred the original version to this one. Okay. Um, only, only because of the elements that I was hearing, because I was playing it, um, the vinyl. Um, I've got the super deluxe version yep. of it. So I have both the vinyl and the CD yep. of it. And I've listened to it on streaming too. Uh, but when I played it on vinyl, it wasn't so much as the lyrics as far as, you know, the, the dirtiness versus the romanticism of the phase two version. Right. But it was what I was hearing in as far as the production of it. Right. And with this... I, you know, the original version, I heard a lot of Al Green, um, yep. a yep. lot of Aretha Franklin, kind of her Atlantic period. Oh, yeah. Uh, with, yeah. Yeah. Never, you know, the Never Loved a Man period. Yep. And so I liked it on that element. But paying closer attention, and I guess having the CD, having a physical copy of this helps. Um when I was hearing the accordions, it's like, yeah, it has a country vibe to it with the accordion. But again, that's it. To me, this is more Al Green than the original version right. to it. Right. Um, like I said, I think I compared the original to when Al Green does covers of uh, For the Good Times. Um, obviously, the other one. There's another cover i think chris christopherson i think he's covered that um also the bgs how can you mend a broken heart oh those yep. covers it out green yeah yep the phase two version has more elements of those songs or that era and i think that was what he was trying to convey and then to put the more romantic lyrics on top of that really sells the song um, I know I tell my wife all the time about how older singers like Frank Sinatra, Sammy Davis, Dean Martin, their gift was in telling a story with the song, which I think is a, it's an art that's lost among a lot of singers today, where you have a song with a good set of lyrics like that. And even if you've never been able to experience those emotions, a really great singer can interpret those lyrics and make you feel like they felt it or make you feel like they know what you've been going through in that song. And to me, this wins hands down with Prince's uh, vocals selling the lyrics to this song. Definitely. Definitely. And uh, you just... You just articulated why I prefer this version. I didn't even realize it before you said it, but yeah, it's it's more 
even more of a soul vibe than than the Welcome to America version. But yeah, uh, great, yeah. great song. And and you know you've always got to have you've always got to have a ballad on a Prince album. And and uh, this one is is definitely oh, yeah. a good one. Oh yeah, we haven't gotten to the other one yet. Oh yeah, yeah. But then we've then we've got screwdriver which i would say and i said this on twitter and i know you probably saw it richard what i said but i said it's always felt weird to me that this song is on this album and i know it's a it's a prince solo production he plays everything on it i believe at least on this version i know uh Ida nielsen uh, revealed to me on Twitter that they did a version with with her on bass and I believe John Blackwell Jr. on drums and Prince was playing everything else but I believe on this released version um, I believe it's Prince on all instruments and vocals but mm. um, but it was initially marketed in 2013 as a Third as the signature song for the Third Eye Girl group, um, so I always picture it in my mind's eye as Third Eye Girl's signature song. Uh, so to have it on a Prince solo record, to have it on Phase Two rather than on Plectrum Electrum is a little is a little jarring to me. But um, yeah, I love the song. It's it's not very deep. You know, it's about it's about life on the road and you know, sharing stories and and just having fun and it's about his connection with the fans. You know, mm-hmm. he says, I'm your driver and you're my screw. Basically, you're the thing that keeps me going. You're the thing that keeps you know, that keeps my career going and my momentum. And so it's a love letter to the fans, but it's also about life on the road as a touring musician and Mm -hmm. i really really like the song it's really high energy uh great great guitar solo in there um prince absolutely is on fire he absolutely shreds on this song uh the drums are really really good the bass is good Mm -hmm. just a really really good song and uh i think a lot of people overlook it or sort of see it as filler at least the people that i've talked to kind of overlook it um as sort of a novelty song but i don't know i've always really loved it and the the live version you know the live video with third eye girl that was available to download on the website is one of my favorite videos that prince has the prince put out in his lifetime and um yeah, just a a great, great song for me. And like I say, just out of place and maybe one of the only um, flaws, if I could even call it a flaw on the album, because it, it just doesn't fit with the album. You know, it's like it's like I sort of equate it to having When Two Are In Love on the Black album. You know, it just doesn't fit um, for me. But um, as a song, you know, it's it's great. I love it. And uh, Richard, what are your thoughts on Screwdriver? 
Yeah, I agree, Chris. I think it's it's kind of sort of the the odd song or odd song choice for the album. Um, yeah, this was another one I had with the Third Eye Girl website, and I don't. To me, I thought it was it was refreshing. It seems like he was competing with what was going on um, with radio at the time. You know, I don't know. Um, Kind of, you know, it, it's that sort of poppy rock, you know, it's got the guitars. Um, but listening to the physical copy of it, I kind of hear more elements to where, you know, he's kind of, you know, taking on, <laughs> taking on Lenny Kravitz a little bit, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's that sort of, um, it reminds me, what's the Lenny Kravitz song? Um, Are you going to go my way? We're, we're, no, not that one. Um, it's... Um, the later one. It's uh, where are we running? Oh, okay. In fact, you know what? Yeah, I think I think it is just his attempt to do a better song than that one. Okay. Because if yeah. you remember, yeah, remember that video? Um, it's Lenny Kravitz, and you know he's running all over the place. He's on tour. He's getting off of a plane. You know, paparazzi's chasing him. He's in the limo in the video <laughs> and stuff too. And then there's the the hook in his song where they kind of do the background is that ooey 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 and it's very buried on Prince's on Screwdriver. Yeah. That background. Yeah. So I think he's kind of taking a you know a bit of a like a swipe in Lenny Kravitz, a little friendly competition like I can do a song like that too. Wow. Now you've given me the idea to listen to those two tracks back to back. I'll definitely do that after the podcast, but yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Like I said, you have the CD. It's you can hear those elements a little bit better because I've, you know, hearing it from the MP3 or hearing it on streaming, I never picked up on it until probably just a couple of nights ago, and I was like, ah, you know, he's taking on Lenny with that one. Very cool. It's it's interesting how Prince, as an artist, was fueled by the people around him and you know, his sort of contemporaries and, you know, even the, even the story about welcome to America, the welcome to America album with the track born to die, which, uh, coincidentally was recorded on my 30th birthday on, uh, March 12, 2010. Uh, so wow. that's a cool little factoid, but, uh, yeah, but he was, he was inspired to record born to die. Um, based off of a comment by Dr. Cornell West that said Prince is good, but he isn't no Curtis Mayfield. So Prince was sort of inspired by that or challenged by that, you know, to to take the challenge to record a Curtis Mayfield-esque track in Born to Die. So it's kind of the same thing like you're saying with Lenny Kravitz. He kind of got fueled by that and sort of you know, said to himself, I can make a track just as good or better than Lenny can. So mm -hmm. it's it's really interesting how he's inspired by others like that and how it influences me influences music. But yeah. yeah. They, they have some stuff in the vault. Hopefully we'll see get to hear that one day. Yes, they do. And then we've I always think, when I always think of Prince and Lenny, I think immediately of the 
performance on the Raven to the year 2000 DVD when they did American mm. Woman together, and that was absolute fire. So if, yeah. if if there's anything like that in the vault, I definitely want to hear it. Mm. Uh, Prince Estate, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, <laughs> as we say. Uh, but yeah, that's Screwdriver. And next we have Black Muse, which is actually includes what we now know in retrospect to be a reprise of A Thousand Light Years from Here. But Black Muse as a track, even including One Thousand Light Years from Here, is one of the highlights of the the album for me. And I believe Black Muse is one of the oldest I'm just looking up on on Prince Vault. And yes, it, it dates from October October or January 2010 actually. So it's kind of around the mm. same time that the Welcome to America um, material was being worked on. But um, again, very important yeah very important uh, track in terms of you know societal commentary and just talking about you know the African American experience in this country a very impactful track and um, uh, my uh, co-host for my Welcome to America review uh, Kurt Hoffman of the Purple Kurt podcast uh said that this track could very easily fit on Welcome to America and I agree with that because it's very it it it's very um timely and the lyrics are very deep and very impactful and they they fit the theme of that album perfectly but on this album it works very well as well and like I say it's personally one of the highlights for me um you know, and it's one of those tracks, you know, along with a track like A Thousand Light Years From Here that really makes me think and really, you know, puts me all up in my feelings about, you know, how how humanity as a whole is treated and how we treat each other, how we yeah. view each other, um, you know, the, the equity in society you know, being out of balance and it's like, it, it's one of those tracks that really inspires me to really think about my fellow man and think about the people around me and, and how, what I could possibly do, you know, how I could do my part to um, make their lives better and easier. And I've always been, I've always been a proponent of, you know, uh, equity and justice for, for everyone. And this, this song definitely, um, reinforces that feeling within me. And that's why it's one of the highlights for me of the album. But Richard, what do you want to say on black muse? Yeah, Chris. Yeah. This is, um, one of the strongest songs on the album. And I think with the placement of this and then probably the next song that we'll discuss, 
you have that flow where it's just a momentum builder. You know, so starting with Baltimore, then going into, you know, Stair, it, it just builds. And even though you've had the odd track or the ballad here and there, once you kind of go through that journey, you know, sort of the peaks and valleys of the sonic experience on that, once you hit to Black Muse, then, yeah, you're taken to an entirely different level with that. Um, I mean, there's so much I can say about this track. Um, the lyrics, definitely. Um, now what we know is, you know, the 10,000 light years from here, the inclusion of that or the reprise of that. Um, yeah, this could have easily gone on. Welcome to America. I can see it again where it's placed on this album. I can also see it placed on Welcome to America in the same place. Um, one of the nuances that I picked up just on the CD that I didn't catch on streaming was how heavily of a Stevie Wonder influence is in that track. Uh, there's a keyboard, like bass keyboard, that if Stevie Wonder isn't uncredited on this album, hmm. playing it, then Prince definitely does a good job at finding the right patch to get that sound. And he's been around Stevie enough to pick up what Stevie does and just kind of build on it with this track. But it's, it automatically took me back to the songs in the key of life. You know, just with the type of keyboards that Stevie was using in that period. Um, what else is in there? There's also um, I don't know, heat wave. You know, there's elements of groove line in it. So it, again, it kind of puts you in that feel good mode. You know, like you said about musicology. You know, the feeling that music gave you back in the day. But on top of that, he's giving you something to think about or something to feel on top of that to hopefully inspire all of us to, you know, live our lives better and make a difference in other, you know, people's lives as well. But yeah, definitely if you listen to the CD, there's that sort of bass keyboard underneath. And especially when it gets to the sort of, you know, 10,000 light years from here and where they kind of jammed towards the end, you feel that and automatically, like I said, you're going, you, you're back into inner visions and you're back into talking book and you're back into songs in the key of life, just right there. And, you know, th those are the things that I think he championed as far as, you know, let's bring those elements of music back because of all the negativity that's going on in the world, whether it's violence in the streets, um, you know, whether it's the ill effects of reality shows, you know, contemporary music of today, while people were taking sort of that element of the funk out of it, Prince was one of those putting that element of the funk back into it. Right. So, yeah, to me, this is definitely, I would say, um, now, yeah, one of my top three favorites on this album. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, and shout out to um, to the the background singers, Elisa Fiorillo, Liv Warfield, mm -hmm. and Shelby J, 
Shelby J is a friend of mine. Uh, I've encountered her in person a couple times, and she's just been an absolute sweetheart. And um, I got to say, whenever Prince did live versions of Black Muse, uh, Shelby J's contributions were wonderful, and she really did well with the song and on the song. So shout out to Shelby J and Liv and Elisa as well. Uh, you ladies are awesome. Um, I I don't know. Are they officially credited on this on this album? Yeah, they are. Yes, yes they are. Um... Yep. The three of them I see out in Prince Vault right now that they're credited on this track. So, wonderful. And do we want to talk separately about the reprise of A Thousand Light Years from Here? Because um, I'll just say that for those of you that haven't seen my review of the Welcome to America album, first of all, uh, please go watch it because it was great fun and it really helped me appreciate the album even more than I already did. But A Thousand Light Years From Here is definitely my, you know, far and away my favorite track on the album. Uh, it's just so completely moving and it's to me it's like a spiritual experience listening to it because i don't know i i can't say enough about it it's great and and knowing that this is sort of a reprise of you know that version is very very interesting mm -hmm. and it's it's fascinating to me how prince you know does callbacks to his own music like we were talking earlier with stare about you know the callback to sexy dancer and kiss and now mm -hmm. we know that this is a callback to an earlier song but it fits so well with the the meaning and the intention of black muse as a song it fits well as a coda to black muse so i i really really love this version but i I especially love and appreciate the fact that there's a there's a completely separate version out there that's a whole entire song in and of itself. And um, yeah, A Thousand Light Years From Here is definitely one of the highlights of not only Prince's later career, but I would say Prince's entire career as a whole. It's, it's way up there for me. It's a definite highlight. But, um, Richard, do you have any comments about A Thousand Light Years From Here? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's um, my favorite on Welcome to America also. And, again, it's a testament to his musical genius. You know, you know when we listen to, say, the 1999 Special Edition, uh, the Sign of the Times Special Edition, where, you know, you have all these vault tracks and there are a number of tracks on both of those that you see the genius kind of evolving where there'll be a vault track that has elements of three or four different songs. You know, I don't think that there's an artist where I've heard their vault stuff to where they've been able to do that. They may have like a version of a song with just totally different lyrics, but then they change the lyrics. But then 
it's just contained with that one song. There's the alternate lyrics, then there's the officially released version of it. Right. And with Prince, like I said, you get something like a thousand light years from here. And then down the line, you get Black Muse, which incorporated elements of the previous song, but yet it's a different song. Or even um, Get Off, the different versions of that. Get Off, Violet the Organ Grinder, Gangster Glam, you know, the, um, what's the other? New Power Generation. Yeah. Um, was it Love Left, Love Right? Yep. There's so many, so many examples of where he can just shift gears and create an entirely different piece that sounds like the other piece, but it really doesn't sound like the other right. songs at all. Right. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's just amazing. Like I, said, I can't think of anybody, you know, Frank Zappa, anybody. I can't think of anybody that's been able to do that. Yeah, it's fascinating to be able to see those, to be able to look and see the evolution of the creative process and the different, the different forms that the music takes. And like, like you say, the whole process of transforming ideas and concepts over several different iterations of a, of a song. It's just fascinating to be able to see that documented and I really give I really give props to the estate. The estate gets a lot of grief from from people, but I really give props to the Prince Estate for allowing us to see parts of that creative process where he can transform songs almost, you know, at will. And it's just fascinating stuff. But yeah, this is one example of it. <laughs> Yeah, it's the same song, but it's 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 not the same song either, like you were saying, Richard. But yeah, great, great song. Uh, and we're we're coming into the home stretch of the album now. And um, yeah, let me go back to the track list. Yeah, we've only got two more songs left, and the next song is one of my favorites. And I think if if Prince would have would have lived longer to to see this played live, I think one of my one of my biggest wishes, my biggest unfulfilled wishes, would be to see this uh, next song performed live in concert because it would have been one of those jaw dropping moments. And I'm talking about the song Revelation. Um, one of Prince's best slow jams of not only his later career, but I would say his career as a whole. I would say it's yeah. it's up there for me in terms of his slow jams. But Richard, what do you think about Revelation? Uh, Chris, I'm going to try to get through this without, you know, either being too deep or too emotional. But the fact that for now, unless there's something else that's in the vault that we have yet to hear, you know, it hit me the other night that this is the last 
absolute last great ballot that you know we'll ever hear Prince do. Yeah. Um. You know, I was trying to put together a few notes for today, and when it got to this song, not only is it that revelation, but just how he was able to effortlessly blend so much of not only his ballad history, because, um, I mean, there's there's elements of uh, Madhouse's eight that's in it. Yep. Um, we, we were talking about guitar solos earlier. To me, this was the most powerful guitar solo because it, as a ballad, it calls back to the scandalous sex suite. Yep. Um, but in tone, it's the same tone uh, of is it hard rock lover, which you know, which is it's a weird song for me now because for some reason, you know, before April twenty first, I would say anywhere between maybe December and that April. In my car, Hard Rock Lover was just, it would, you know, whenever I would put that CD in, I would play that and it would just, you know, for some reason, weird reason, it would just haunt me. <laughs> like, I love that song deeply. And I think it was just on that level, or I thought, like, I'm just feeling this song because I love that song. Right. But it, for some reason, it just kept nagging and pulling at me. And then now hearing this, and then I can make that connection. You know, like I said, t and tonal-wise, it's the same. I guess he's using the same pedals, the same guitar, with the same pickups. You know, um, engineered the guitars to sound the same. But there's that in that song also. And, you know, it's it's to me, I measure... Since Adore, I always used to measure Prince's ballads. <laughs> like, if it doesn't measure up to Adore, then it's not a Prince ballad. This one stands up to Adore, you know, any day, any time. And again, listening to the CD, what I noticed at the end, when he kind of does that, um, you know, spoken word part about the Pharaoh's hand. Yep. Uh, there's there's a string part that I'm like, God, that sounds so familiar. Where have I heard that string part before? And it hit me. It's the same string arrangement as um, Alexander O'Neill's Sunshine. Okay. That's in there too. And you know, and I don't think it's a thing of where he was putting down Jam and Lewis or anything like that. I just think that was to me maybe a subconscious acknowledgement. To that because sunshine it, it is a great ballad and like i said the string arrangements they're similar but i mean there's only so many notes any human being can utilize right. for a song anyway but having all of those elements the sunshine scandalous eight adore you know and even with the lyrics you know very esoteric but romantic lyrics at the same time all of that blended in. And like I said, unless there's something else that's in the vault that was done later, 
to think that this is, you know, the last official Prince ballot. Like I said, it's, you know, it's, it's, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around it at this point, you know, even after all these years later. And this was one of the tracks that was leaked at the Artificial Age um, listening party that was on YouTube. Right. Yeah. And, you know, so I'm thinking there has to be more. But then I don't know if I want to hear the last Great Prince ballad if this isn't it. Right. You know, I don't think I'm ready for that yet. Right. But, yeah. So that being said, this is probably, yeah, among... Again, my top three favorite tracks on Hit and Run Phase Two. Definitely, definitely, and just going, you know, going to your thoughts about incorporating, you know, the best of all those ballads and the, just the the sound of it, and it's sort of it's it's quintessential Prince, basically. Um, and I think of a track like this, and I think of also a track like, like you say, like Hard Rock Lover, or like June, or Way Back Home. You know, tracks like tracks tracks like these are are when I listen to them, they transport me. It's almost like an out of body experience listening to those tracks, and I don't know what it what it is about. You know. Prince's later years, but songs like that are so they're they're so otherworldly and they just take you on a on a mental and spiritual journey listening to them, you know, and the the, the unique soundscapes of what he was able to create are just, you know, um it's almost like it's almost like they're from another planet. That sounds a little cliche, but I mean, I mean, really listening to a song like mm. Revelation and like I say, like a song like Hard Rock Lover, um, ethereal is the, the best word that I could use to explain it. It's like floating on clouds in a way. Um, yeah. It's just the way the music hits me and affects me and way back home as well. Uh, I don't know yeah. if I mentioned that in there, but, you know, just songs like that, um, you know, they just seem to resonate at a different frequency. And it's just incredible to hear something like that. And and like you say, the emotional aspect of it being the last, the last true great Prince ballad is, is bittersweet, but it's like, listening to it it's just so it's, to me it's so transcendent and so yes so incredible but it's like if if you had if you had to script you know prince's last great ballad i mean i don't think it could be scripted better than better than revelation i really don't um you know what can i say i mean i'm yeah. I'm kind of at a loss I, for words about it, but I mean, it's, it's just, well, you know, a, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I, you know, I don't want to get too macabre about it, but you know, it's, you know, 2016, that was such a heavy year. 
And I mean, you know, we were losing a lot of the greats right and left. You know, it was like it seemed like every other day or every week, you know, we were losing somebody prominent. You know, it's like that line in Indiana Jones where the guy tells Indy, it's like it's a point to where God stops giving us things and starts taking them away. Right. And, you know, not first, you know, first it was Natalie Cole, but then right after that, the next week, it was David Bowie. And I think with Bowie, the difference being that he knew his time was finite and was able to give the fans a final something, you know, where with Prince, I don't think, you know, forget about whatever the conspiracy theories are. You know, I don't think that he set out to die. You know, he was constantly, you know, there was sheet music on the microphone stand, you know, still, you know, he was still working on stuff. Yep. And, you know, I think with, you know, us in the, the purple or the Prince musical singularity that, you know, we never... You know, even after all this time, you know, we're still trying to wrap our heads around it. You know, hence, oh, this is what he would have wanted. You know, this is what he would have wanted or the estate's doing this or they're not doing that. You know, it's just that I think we're all trying to sort through our feelings because we didn't get a final goodbye. You know, we didn't get Prince in the 70s or his 90s to where we could say, oh, okay, well, we understand it's still lost, but we understand, you know, the the shocking part about him being taken out of the picture. Um, But with that, with that being said, you know, with, uh, you know, with Revelation, yeah, it might be the closest that we get to a black star, you know, where Bowie got to deliver a single album. Revelation, it's narrowed down to a single track almost. Or then again, you know, there are fans that kind of look at artificial age as sort of being that final one with, um, you know, Way Back Home. That's a, that was a powerful song that I enjoyed while he was still here. Uh, but to listen to it now in hindsight, or even the the sort of, um, you know, the skit at the end of Clouds, you know, it's kind of this weird thing, you know, that, like I said, we're all just trying to wrestle with it. But I don't know, like I said, I, you know, don't want to get too heavy into it. But yeah, I think we're trying to find our way through it still. And I think maybe the message is that let's listen to these, like you say, Chris, that, yeah, it's powerful. Yeah, it is the last one. But let's look at these songs, Revelation, Way Back Home. Let's enjoy the transcendence that we feel when we listen to these tracks and try to have those kind of good thoughts kind of just travel to him. You know, instead of, you know, spitting negativity at one another Uh, Instead of saying, oh, this period was greater than that period, you know, let's just take whatever music about Prince uplifts us 
and let those good thoughts travel to them, let it travel to the estate, let it travel, you know, amongst other fans that are having a harder time even after all these years, yep. you know, still trying to make sense of it all. Yep. Yep. And that's a, that's a good segue into the final track of the album. And I think it's only fitting that Prince would end on a positive note on a party song. And we're talking about big city and I just love the vibe of it. You know, it's upbeat. It's positive. Like I said, it's a party song. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a perfect way to close out the album and to close out um, Prince's earthly career. Um, As far as his posthumous releases go, I, I don't think... I don't think uh, piano and a microphone eighty three should have been the first, the first uh, posthumous release, but that's for another episode. But as far as ending his career on the note that it ends on with Big City, I think it's kind of fitting to end on an upbeat party song because. I think that encapsulates what Prince was all about, you know, having a good time, using mm-hmm. the gifts God gave you to find joy in life and, um, you know, just celebrating life itself. And, you know, there's always that irony that people talk about um, where Prince's first recorded song is, uh, you know, all of this and more um, I share with you, for you, and then the last lyric being that's it. So, it's kind of a full circle kind of moment, but as far as the track goes, I think it's um, it's very, very upbeat and very fun to listen to. Uh, very enjoyable to listen to. Um, you know, it's got the it's got that seventies, you know, kind of really upbeat soul, like Stevie Wonder type feeling to me. Um, I, I really, I really like the uh, the background vocals. I think that's the the girls again, if I'm not mistaken, the three. Mm-hmm. Um, they do a really good job with it. Um, and as far as the lyrical meaning, it's a little hard to decipher. I still haven't, haven't, uh, you know, gotten to the meaning of, you know, it's we're in the big city when I'm in your arms and what, what all that means, you know, and, and, uh, but, um, you know, just vibe wise as a vibe, the song is very, very enjoyable to listen to and I'm glad the album ends on an upbeat note. Um, I like the song and I I like the album as a whole and I think you know, even doing this podcast really revealed to me how well the album flows as a whole, you know, and uh, 
I just think it's a wonderful upbeat note to end on with Big City. So, Richard, what are your thoughts on the track? Let's see. Big City, I've, I've always enjoyed it. Uh, of course, sort of post-2016 when I listen to it now. Um, I would like to think that, you know, the Big City, it's a, it's a metaphor for heaven. You know, that Again, listening to it now, when I I go back to the interview with um, Mel B, where yep. he says he'll celebrate the day that he dies. And again, like I said, I don't want to get too heavy, but like I said, when I listen to this track now, I think, yeah, that's that's it. That's him. That's what he's doing right now. He's up there you know, in the big city and, you know, where the, and I guess it's about, you know, on an earthly level, appreciating where you are. It's having that heaven on earth. So whether you're in a dirty little hotel room or working on a farm somewhere, you know, everything that you do should be heaven on earth, I think. And, you know, and it's a happy upbeat song. It's very Stand era Sly and the Family Stone yep. to me. Um, it's got that vibe, Hot Fun in the Summertime. It's yep. that, you know, very pre-There's a Riot going on Sly. And, you know, at that period, you, you can't get more positive than Stand or Hot Fun in the Summertime, Everyday People. You can't get more positive than that. Um, that sort of level of happiness too. You know, he mentions the Polaroid, so there's that shout out to the time. You know, all right, you Polaroids. You know, <laughs> so yeah, I think yeah, to me, yeah, that you know, that's what he was feeling when he recorded it. That hey, you know, I'm enjoying life. You know, I'm living my dreams. And no matter what I do, if I'm on tour, if I'm in the studio or, you know, if he's, you know, with his woman or whatever, then, yeah, he's he's having heaven on earth. You know, he's and now, like I said, post 2016. Yeah, he's in the big city. And yeah, I'm sure the, you know, the angels and Gabriel and whoever, you know, they're they're partying. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. But yeah. So great album. Um yeah, yeah, it's it's emotional to talk about, but it was a great album to revisit for the podcast and I'm I'm glad we revisited it. And Richard, was there were there some things you wanted to say about the the production of the album? Uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, Chris, there's a couple of, or quite a few unsung heroes, um, in the making of this project. And it would, you know, again, if there's something else that's in the vault that we have yet to hear, I'm going to start with Michael Nelson, who did the horn arrangements. And I think a lot of the string arrangements as well. Um, 
I remember an interview with him kind of around 2016, 2017, where he was talking about where Prince wanted to take the Minneapolis sound right. on a whole new level. And he wanted to use Michael Nelson as the basis for, you know, creating some unique horn arrangements. And to me, I think that is done to great effect on this project. And it would have been interesting to see or hear what was going to happen next. And then after that, we've got the engineers, of course, in addition to Prince, uh, there's, let me see, let me check my notes here. So we got Dylan Dresdow, Chris James, Justin Stanley, and Booker T, who are the engineers. And I would recommend if you still have a CD player, whether in your home or still one in your car, definitely get the CD to this album. And I hope one day we'll get a vinyl version of this also. But definitely listen to what not only the musicians were doing, but how the engineers crafted the sound on this. To me, this is one of the best late Prince era albums to where I've just enjoyed the production and the engineering aspect of it. I mean, it is really, you know, taking my ears on a journey with this. So yeah, definitely shout out to the engineers, shout out to Michael Nelson, shout out to all the background singers, Shelby J and Elisa Carrillo, Liv Warfield, you know, and Andy Allo also. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm glad I got this on CD finally after four or five years. Thank you, Chris, for having me on the show too to talk about this album. I think, you know, it's helped me dealing with the loss of the great one. Of course, it's not a loss. The music is still here with us. Right. So, but definitely, thank you for bringing me on for this album. Right. And to close things out, I just want to let people know where they can find you on social media and on your podcast, uh, Omari Purple Talk. Um, can you let us know where we can find you on social media? Uh, yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Richard Cole underscore now. And now is in all caps. I'm also on Instagram at Richard Cole underscore Amari and Amari Purple Talk, which uh, season three is going to start uh, sometime in October. And that will be on your favorite podcast platform uh, through the Libsyn network. And it is also on YouTube on the Amari Communications channel. All right. So I'll have all that. I'll have all that linked in the descriptions on the description box on YouTube and also in the description on blogtalkradio.com. So I'll have all those links for you guys to check out. And Richard, I would like to say thank you for your support. Uh, the past few years, you've been very supportive of me on Twitter. and We've communicated back and forth and we've... Yeah respected each other's views on Prince, you know, as Prince aficionados. And, and I really expe re respect your knowledge 
and I respect your your drive and your vision for Amari Purple Talk. And uh, let's keep this going outside of the podcast. And oh, yeah. I'm really grateful for your uh, for your friendship. And uh, thank you again for coming on. And on behalf of myself and Richard Cole, I'd like to say thank you, everybody, for watching on YouTube, listening on Blog Talk Radio and Apple Podcasts. And until next time, I'm Chris Johnson. We'll see you later, everybody. Peace. All right. Thank you. Peace.